Well, welcome to our brand new podcast. This is the beginning. <laughs> uh, Jonathan Heisey joining me, David Heisey. We are um, starting a biblical podcast. Uh, we are starting with the book of Genesis, chapter 1. Um, pretty apt as we are starting a new year, starting a new podcast yep. in, the, in the beginning. This is new beginnings for us, a, a new start, a fresh start, a new year. Um, pretty pretty uh, appropriate yep. <laughs> material, I think. And Jonathan was, was the one to uh, suggest that we do Genesis 1, so that, that's good. We decided to do this podcast as a result of um, both of us realizing that we needed a little bit more uh, impetus, shall we say, yeah. to, to be more in the Word and to be doing more devotional and to be, be up on our studies of Scripture and theology. So that's kind of what this podcast is going to be about. My intention for this is to kind of be a companion to your Bible. Uh, mm-hmm. So we may, not, we may not necessarily read all of the texts that we're talking about, but we will certainly read some of it. We'll definitely allude to a lot of Scripture we'll be using chapter and verse. Uh, we will be using um, New International Version and possibly some uh, some New Living Translation as well uh, for our biblical sources. So I know that sometimes people get a little up in arms about uh, what, um, what particular version of the Bible you're using. King James Version <laughs> only. <laughs> Right. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, we're we're not we're not that obviously. So uh, sounds like you got things pretty much covered. Awesome. All right. Well, let's just jump into it, shall yep. we? Uh all right. So Genesis 1, in the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and okay. there was light. And we'll stop there for now. So um, so when we, when we talk about the creation account, um, there are a bunch of different things that we sort of uh, have to understand. Um, first and foremost being that this is the actual story of the beginning. This is, this is mm-hmm. God creating everything that exists. Um, there are different kind of ideas about... Um, about how that happened. Uh, some people take it super literally. Some people say, you know, God, God's hand was there, but it was more of a God created the clock and then set it in motion kind of mm-hmm. a, kind of an argument. Um, there's the uh, there's just the idea that um, God created it, but he didn't necessarily keep up with it <laughs> after the fact, which I don't necessarily subscribe to. No. I know you probably don't either. I mean, it's kind of kind of anti-biblical to think of it yeah. that way, really. Um, but th- th- I think as Christians, there's, there's not necessarily a need to take this creation account um, as a super historical day-by-day, you know, literal 24-hour-day kind of creation account. It, right. It could have been that. I mean, I'm not saying it, it couldn't have been that, but it, I don't think it's necessary for Christianity, for our belief system, to hold that particular idea um, fast. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Um, as one of my favorite Wheaton profs would put it, 
is scripture in this instance meant to be read like a newspaper or is it meant to inform us of something else? And so, you know, if we're reading it like a newspaper, then we're looking at this to try and get the who, what, when, where, why, and how in a very exact order. But if we're looking at this through more of a lens of ancient literature, um, you know, which we can see in all different things like the classics, for example, like uh, Plutarch's Lives. I know that's a few centuries later, but one of the things that you can see from there is getting the idea of what is the character that is being presented here, not necessarily the exact event that happened. So that can be one of the main things here because you can also plainly see that there's poetry um, coming out in the text. It's meant to be somewhat poetic because this was an oral tradition that needed to memorize everything that was being presented to them. Mm, mm. Some good ideas there, yeah. Um, so let's kind of talk a little bit about the details of what's going on in here. Um, so in the beginning, we talked about that God created the heavens and the earth. Mm-hmm. So the, the very important thing to take away from this, I think, is just that God created. God yeah. is the creator. God made everything. Um, and there's just no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Um, that we do need to take literally is that God <laughs> created. So I think that that's really the whole point of even as we go as we go into this text, that's the that's the main takeaway is who is God? Just like you were saying, who mm-hmm. is this? Who is this person that we you know this this being that we are trying to learn about? Um, and speaking of which, um, you know, the, a lot of the language that we see in here is sort of a plurality. We see let us make mm-hmm. man in our own image later um and we see you know let us do this and let us do that and there's a there's a reason for that um if we if we um one of the sources that i sort of went to as as my biblical um uh just sort of shorthand sort of reminders um is i i went to some of the um the videos that are on the bible project on youtube and those are a great sort of little snippet resource and they they talk about these spiritual beings called the Elohim right mm-hmm. and Elohim there there are parts of the bible that refer to god as Elohim mm-hmm. which Adonai Anehu Adonai Elohim uh, Elohim yes but Elohim also refers to the biblical the like the spiritual council like the holy mm-hmm. the holy council and um so god is Elohim but god created the Elohim and so he's above and Mm-hmm. Uh, and he he's the one who created them. So he is the creator of them. If you want to go check out that video, I, I recommend it. Um, Link yeah, in the description below. <laughs> Link in the doobly-doo. Um, no, so, but the Bible Project is, you know, it, it's, a, it's a great resource for just sort of a, a quick, um, quick reference guide for some of these kind of hard-to-understand biblical concepts. Mm-hmm. So um, check them out. Anyways. So the spirit of God, this is, you know, right off the bat, we're seeing sort of God, we're seeing God created and then God's spirit. So, yeah, Holy Spirit. Um, There's a lot going on there for sure. Um, In the Gospel of John, right at the beginning, he actually gives us a little insight into this. If I recall from memory, it's in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And nothing was created outside of the word. Right. You know, so um, one of the theological points 
that a lot of theologians will go to in terms of how does the Trinity work? You know, how can we have the Godhead of three separate beings, but being one at the same time? And how does God in being? So what we have is if we have God and we have him begatting his son, Jesus, you have this constant creation that's happening. But, you know, it's a little it's not quite creation because it's still of himself. So he's begetting himself. And by the Holy Spirit, he's in relation with himself as well. So we get into this very complex function um, in which God is able to be on his own and from there actually create things outside of himself. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. The other challenging thing too, though, is that would not have necessarily been apparent to the original audience Mm. that was reading this. So um, by our best guesses, it seems that Moses was actually the likely author of this account. It's entirely possible that it could have been David or Saul or one of the other kings of Israel or, or potentially one of the other prophets. But the best guess is Moses. And um, the best guess in terms of timing when this came about was that um, when Moses received the law at Mount Ararat before the Israelites went to the promised land. Hmm. So context for that, you know, we're jumping ahead a little bit, but the Israelites had been in slavery before they became the true nation. So in their slavery in Egypt, they were exposed to a lot of things and didn't have a thorough understanding of their own history or their God or anything like that. So what they did know was gods like Ra, who was the god, of the sun god, and he was the god of light. Um, the god Osiris, who is the god of life and vegetation. Um, gods, goddesses like Hathor, you know, who is the goddess of fertility. Um, all sorts of stuff where there was a different god for almost each element of existence. Mm. So in this account coming out, you know, God is saying, I'm the god that created all of this stuff. It's not those Egyptian gods. It's all me. Right. Yeah, and that's really important um, because the you know the Israelites were coming out of this sort of uh, pantheon of gods that they that they really were devoted to. They had spent mm-hmm. their you know entire lives. I mean, imagine mm-hmm. imagine being um, well, let's say a Hindu as an example. Mm-hmm. This is more like a modern day example. Imagine being a Hindu and then being confronted by your you know your liberator that hey actually christianity is the way there's this there's this person in the form of jesus christ who and it's just a complete and utter like it's a complete and utter sidestep from what you you were taught it's and it was it was very important um for the israelites to have these sort of accounts to kind of say no it wasn't it wasn't such and such the god of that and this that and the other it was Mm -hmm. actually our one and only true god so yeah very important stuff. Um, so we have sort of God making light and light is brought into existence and uh, in the first day and there was evening and there was morning the first day and then God says, let there be a vault between the waters separating the water from the water. My, uh, my, my Bible says that that's basically saying, because uh, this this passage kind of always confused me a little bit. I'm like, water? There's there's not really water in the sky, but it's actually talking about like clouds. So, mm. 
you know, the waters of the sea and then the waters of the, the clouds, um, which is also interesting because I don't know that necessarily people during, you know, this time would have known exactly what clouds were. I don't yeah. know that they would have known that it were made out of water, but uh, maybe they were. I don't know. Um, so, yes. So then God, so it goes through these different days, right? Uh, in in Genesis saying um, God created, you know, dry, gra- dry ground. Uh, he tried, he called the dry ground land and the waters he called seas. Uh, and then he produced vegetation. And there's a definite order to all of these, like a logical progression, yeah. right? So there's, there's sun and there's the moon and there's vegetation and there's the after the vegetation comes animal life and mm-hmm. ocean life and um and then finally he gets to um humans right he says exactly. let us let us make man in our own image and that's definitely one of the indicators of poetry there is the pattern that we see you know some people might argue, well, how is there light and a day and night before the sun and moon are created? And so the answer to that is that we see this direct correlation of day one being light and earth, and then day four you get the sun and the moon. Day two you get waters and land being separated. Day five you get stuff growing on the land mm. and fish in the ocean. And um, day three, you get even more stuff, and day six will also correlate with that. So a large part of that was about making something that a illiterate nation could memorize, because this was an oral tradition culture. So in order to have that, you could kind of memorize these little talking points so that it would all come together hmm. in the storytelling process. Yeah. Yeah. Um, absolutely. So, but then let's talk about day six, God creating man. Indeed. Right. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures moving along the ground. That's Genesis 1, verse 26. Mm. So, um... You know, there's been a lot of sort of turmoil in our world lately, and uh, a lot of a lot of unrest and a lot of people at each other's throats. I, mean, I don't want to get too political with this podcast, but it's, it's kind of hard not to. <laughs> in one sense, Christians need to answer for a lot of the stuff that they see going on in the world. It's true, you know, it's true. Um, but here in lies in the very first chapter of the first book. In this library of books that we call the Bible, right here in black and white is a reason why we should not be at each other's throats. Yeah. You know, we are all created in the image of God. We are all God's image bearers. We are all brothers and sisters. We all come from a, a singular origin. It may not mm-hmm. necessarily be the literal Adam and the mm-hmm. literal Eve. It could have been. I'm not. De- mm-hmm. I'm not denying that. But at the same. At the same time, even if there wasn't a literal Ab- Adam and a literal Eve, we come from a singular origin, which makes mm-hmm. us all a single race. 
Yeah. And that's that's every human of every color, of every <laughs> yeah. nationality, of every political spectrum. Uh, we are all made in the image of God. Uh, we are all precious and have purpose. Mm-hmm. And that is a very, very important uh, part of the scripture. So much so that, that this part is, you know, th- there's more devoted to this idea than there is to all of the other, all of the other, um, sort of creation parts. There's mm-hmm. just a little bit more ver- ink on the page yeah. when it comes to man than there is uh, about the the fish or the the land animals or the, the light or the stars, or the sun. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so very important. Very important indeed. And as a large part of that, that you can also see how God um, gives us some instruction in part of the purpose too. I mean, in one part there's the be fruitful and multiply. That may be a calling that by now may have ended somewhat, but <laughs> I'd say we got that one down. How many billions of people are there on the planet now? Like 7.5? 7, 7, 8, 8, 9 yeah. billion, approaching 9 billion. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. Um, when, at what yeah. point do we say enough's enough? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, there's another key thing in verse 28 here. Where it says, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. You know, and I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit and seed in it. They will be yours for food and all the beasts and all the earth will, and all the birds in the air and all the creatures that move on the ground. Everything that has breath and life of it, I give to you green plant for food and it, so it was so. So a lot of what's also going on there is that we are charged with being caregivers for the earth that we've you know, been given. And, you know, that can have a lot of different ways. There can be, um, there can be a lot of tension at times between, you know, the go green movement um, and liberty, as some people will get into. And at the end of the day, there is a charge for us to be considerate of the creation that God has given to us. You know, that doesn't necessarily play out in the exact political terms that we look at it as today. But, um, for example, it gives dignity to the animals. So Christians or Jews, or if you believe in the Bible, there's a direct call there that we should not be cruel to our animals. Mm. Mm. You know? Yeah, I mean, God specifically brought all of the, well, I guess that's in the next chapter. Um, yes, that's mm. that's coming up in chapter two. God kind of talks about, the, the scripture kind of talks about God bringing all the animals in front of Adam to see what he's going to call them, um, which is an, which is an interesting thing because, you know, as an om, as an omniscient God, we would wonder if we if God already knew what he was going to call them. And yet he he made Adam do this exercise of mm. naming the animals anyway, which is which is kind of to your point that, um, you know, these God calls us to be good stewards of this. Mm of this garden that he's created. Initially it was, you know, it was this garden of Eden, but it, that, that call to um, care for our planet, our creation is still with us today. That didn't go away just because of the fall. So exactly. Abs- absolutely. Yeah. So what does, I mean, what does that mean for us today? I think, um, I think that, that that some amount of environmental awareness is definitely mm-hmm. necessary for us as Christians to to call people out mm-hmm. and say 
you know, no, it's not okay that you're polluting these rivers and killing all these fish and and mm-hmm. and put in chemicals in the water that turns the frogs gay. <laughs> I mean, not... turn the freaking frogs gay. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no. So I mean, not that we're going down that road, yeah. but uh, just as as the meme goes, yes. uh, in terms of saying we don't want chemicals in the water um, that that do weird things to to mm. our beloved our beloved creatures. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean that we cannot consume animals. I mean, there yeah. are other parts of scripture that do that do give explicit permission for the consumption of of animal. Um, products and meat. If you're vegan, that's okay. I'm not going to say that that's not okay. But, um, but in terms of biblical, I don't think there's a biblical argument for mm-hmm. veganism <laughs> necessarily. <laughs> but, uh, but no. That, I mean, in terms of, in terms of environmentally, maybe there, maybe it is you know necessary for us to start eating a little less meat and maybe eating a little more vegetable product and maybe you know. Going down those going down those roads, but I think that that's also mm. if I'm going to be political, I'm going to say I, I'd prefer that to be more of a personal choice um, than to cram that down on people against their against their free will. Yeah. <laughs> so well, and it comes down to God's call for us to also take care of our bodies as well that we'll find later on in Scripture. You know, so I mean, if you're eating only red meat, there are certain. Um, philosophers out there that we might enjoy who only consume meat <laughs> what you trying to say john <laughs> and there can be a case for uh, that jordan peach <laughs> uh, name, name drop <laughs> um you know who definitely enjoy red meat and who seem to be healthy enough doing so but um there can be other instances where it causes a lot of health problems and you may need to limit consumption of meat to you know um some other people's great dismay <laughs> but what you trying to say John? <laughs> no i mean yeah no it's so but it, it can also be hard to know exactly what is good for the earth and what isn't so mm-hmm. i think that's something that people need to approach prayerfully and um with an informed from good sources yeah. uh, perspective so and i think there are Obvious things we can do too. Obviously, we shouldn't litter. Right. You know, there are immediate actions we can take, and we can even go so far as to, if we see a piece of garbage on the ground, just pick it up and throw it away. Mm. You know. Yeah. You know, we can we can do little things that make a difference in the moment. Absolutely. Yeah. Being good stewards of of just the world around us, and it, mm-hmm. even when it's not your property, right? Yeah. Even even if it's you know someone else's property, it's okay to leave it better than you found it. I don't yeah. think anyone is going to be. Um, Coming, you know, coming after you if you throw away a piece of garbage. So yeah, yeah. So be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. And then he said, "I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, and every tree of fruit uh, with seed in it, and they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth, and the birds of the sky, and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food." So. So yeah, I mean, at the beginning, in the beginning, food was plant based. Yep. <laughs> but uh, at least if we if we take this account super literally, um, well, the other thing that it also shows too is that God is providing for His creation. Right. You know, that can be a, a very good main takeaway is that God didn't 
set us up and then say, okay, you're on your own here, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, there's there's an abundance that's applied implied here that that um, there was enough um, just growing on trees and plants and bushes and and things for for humans and animals alike to consume without running out and without having to till the soil, as we'll see later. Mm-hmm. So and then um, and then we get to chapter two. By the seventh day, God finished the work that He had been doing. And on the seventh day, he rested from his work, from all his work. And then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, unless you're a Seventh-day Adventist uh, or a, um, a, an Orthodox Jew or, or uh, another, another person who really takes the uh, Sabbath day very seriously. I think that this is one of the areas in which Christians have sort of gotten a little bit lacking. Now, there's yeah. there's um, there are different perspectives on this in the epistles that we'll probably get to down the road. But I do think that it is important to at least acknowledge the Sabbath day, and in this case, it would be Saturday, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, Sunday is the Lord's day because as Christians, we recognize that that's the day that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. But the actual seventh day of the week in the Jewish uh, tradition, which is where this, you know, this text mm-hmm. is coming from, would have been on a Saturday. So, um, again, I think that this is an issue that that each person needs to sort of approach prayerfully and in scripture and and decide for themselves you know how much of a how much of a messianic jew are you <laughs> um do you do you feel like you you need to um be a seventh day adventist or a um messianic jew and and follow the sabbath really strictly or is this more something that that we should just bless ourselves with what do you think um it's a little bit of a both and, and it's not something we bless ourselves with. I would actually say it is something that God blesses us with. Well, yes. You know. I, I Okay, so maybe we should scratch that. <laughs> so, uh, But what I meant by that was is that God gives us the freedom to do these things as, as outlined in the epistles, that it's Correct. not so much of a legalistic thing. That's why I meant like we yeah. follow it because it's God's blessing to us. So I should, it is. I should rephrase that, yeah. That's and and that's good. Um, I actually saw on a video recently that one of the interesting things about this account of the Sabbath and the fact that it comes up later in the law of remembering the Sabbath and keeping it holy is actually huge because you have to remember that the Israelites had just come out of a slave culture where they worked every single day. And this was actually pretty revolutionary against any other culture of the day, be it Egyptian or Mesopotamian, this idea of getting a day of rest and recognizing um, the value in creation. Because later in the law, we see that not only are humans to take a rest, but they're not even supposed to work their animals either. So this also gives you know the right of all of God's creation to enjoy its own existence and to recreate itself now in terms of you know the letter of the law 
we see Jesus calling out a lot of people on what they do on the Sabbath. You know, Jesus seems to heal people on the Sabbath and do a lot of things where, you know, in the Jewish culture of the time, it would have been illegal for you to spit on the ground even because it might, you know, create a pivot in the dirt where a seed could grow and that would be work. And I think the thing to really keep in mind here is that God's commandment for us is to take care of ourselves, and that includes a day of rest for us to enjoy things. Yeah. You know? So that enjoyment doesn't have to be a strict, you know, in a messianic perspective. It doesn't have to be a strict, you know, you're only going to do things that are absolutely restful, like laying in bed. (laughs) It, it, It can be the things that give you joy. So even if you're just doing a woodworking project that you have going on as a hobby or physical exercise or something that rejuvenates your spirit, Mm. that makes you feel better and gives you a form of mental recreation Mm -hmm. that refreshes you. I think that's the important thing that God gave us the Sabbath for. Absolutely. Well, and, you know, I think even just as as created beings, um, I don't think that we were necessarily created as just these automatons that were meant to just go, go, go all the time. I, and mm-hmm. I think that that's, um, you know, God gave us certain things in our lives that are enjoyable for a reason. And I, I don't know about you, but I mean, I've, there have been times in my life where I've had to work 12 hour days, yeah. seven days a week, week after week, after week, after week. And you know what? It was exhausting. Yeah, doing the same. Even though the work that I was doing wasn't in particular wasn't particularly labor intensive, just the fact that I was on the job, that I was on the clock for that length of time for that mm-hmm. many days in a row. This was when I was working security. Yeah, you know. So I used to be a security guard. So um, and they only had two of us for the job for yeah. this particular post, and it was a hello 20- overtime. <laughs> it was a twenty four seven post. So. You know, I did 12 on, 12 off for week after week after week. I was exhausted after not having a day of rest. And I was begging people, I'm a Christian. I need a day of rest. (laughs) And no one believed me. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah. So definitely, I think, important for us to take that day. Just for sanity, for everything else. Indeed. So... So what do you think the point of this particular part of Scripture is? What is, what is the point here? What, what's the underlying message that we're trying to get at? I think the biggest takeaways is that um, God really is you know, the creator of all things. It all belongs to him. You know, this is his world. We belong to him. Um, and the other thing is that God is very orderly in how he created everything. It wasn't chaotic um it wasn't haphazard it wasn't haphazard um if i want to put a sensor warning in there for any young people coming up um compared to other creation accounts like the code of the hammurabi um god did not ejaculate the world into existence which is an actual account there you go (laughs) so trigger warning yeah (laughs) no so yeah no uh this god did not create uh, out of some other external force. He didn't use energy necessarily to create. He created by speaking it into existence according to Scripture. So I remember in my theology classes when we, when we were talking mm-hmm. about 
when we were talking about that, was like, no, God did not use energy. That's that's a heresy. God yeah. created of himself. Yeah. God created of his word only. So yes, it wasn't it wasn't some sort of external thing that God did as an act of creation. It was he spoke it and it was so. Um mm. so uh, a, a tribute there there therein to the power, the absolute power of God that just by speaking it becomes reality. Um mm-hmm. God is the mm-hmm. God has all the infinity stones. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Whatever I want is reality. <laughs> so <laughs> I use the stones to destroy the stones. <laughs> reality is whatever I make it. Okay, no. So reality is obviously whatever God makes it. So we, yeah. won't, we won't go with that heresy. But God is bigger than the boogeyman, and that means he's bigger than Thanos too. <laughs> <laughs> nice Veggie Tales reference right yep. there. Okay, so. Um, I think that'll just about wrap it up for us for today. Yeah, and we'll one final thought, really quick. There's a phrase that's repeated a lot here after every day, and God said that it was good. Mm, So that is the final thought that everything that God has created is good Mm. that He intended it to be. Absolutely. Yeah, Um, and not only not only that, but you know, in the even in the creation account, we see that God shows a great deal of care for the well-being of his creation so indeed god cares about you and he loves you and he wants what's best for you so and on that note i think we are good we're good take care have a good one